find that measure of confidence. With it, I'm going to meditate on the true nature of reality. And think of the reasons why you should do such an endeavor. What of what practical value is it for, is it for you? Rehearse this in your mind until that intention becomes a strong determination. What will be the ultimate purpose of such as such of an activity. Let that determination infuse your whole being so that you can say even your body is determined the same way. <coughs> and the mind that feels like it's something that you possess also is determined. sense of ease holding on to this determination, a sense of confidence, let the body adjust itself to the proper posture that is conducive to this endeavor. Just look at the legs finding the place that is comfortable and stable and just let them stay there. Look at the hands. Let the elbows find that place, not too far, not too close to the body. Let the shoulders find that place that is even Relax. Find that natural straightness of the back until you feel the firmness of immobility. That a sense of confidence arises from the posture itself. The neck be centered. So there won't be any need for you to consciously hold them in place. Mouth, teeth, tongue resting in their natural places. So the jaws are not too loose, the teeth are not too clenched. The tip of the tongue touching slightly the back part of the upper teeth. eyes 
can be closed if that's what's conducive for you or they can be opened half opened once you reach the eyes the sense of ease the sense of confidence in the posture should be reassured let the sense of ease take over the posture be aware of it and gently bring your attention to the breath in a very easy uncontrolled attitude just bring your attention to the breath <coughs> you're not trying to control it you're not trying to force your mind to focus on it you're not even concerned about chasing away distractions just to know that you're breathing in as you are breathing in to know you are breathing out as you are breathing out keeping your awareness on the breath in this way check the posture once more to make the necessary adjustments making sure the posture has stability comfort and that you're not consciously holding any part of the posture in place you've assured yourself of this you've made the necessary adjustments just gently bring your attention back to the breath again concern only about the breathing out as you are breathing out knowing that you're breathing in as you are breathing in no intention to control the breath no intention to force the mind to focus on the breath no intention <coughs> to chase away distractions itself following the breath be aware of the continuity of awareness following the out breath from beginning to its end and 
keeping the continuity as it now follows the breath becoming in following the in-breath from beginning to end again noticing the transformation back to out-breath be aware of the mind's continuity of awareness and have the intention to keep that continuity unbroken while you follow 11 cycles of breath Stay mindful of that tranquility that you are experiencing. The tranquility that you felt some measure of within the body itself in the beginning. That you feel now reflecting in the mind itself and in the breath. this tranquility, the awareness of this tranquility, be your vessel taking you to deeper levels of meditation. From within this tranquil state to the space in front of you, at the level of your eyebrows, while focusing in that space invoke the presence of your infallible guide, the very embodiment of your highest aspirations, made entirely of light, a form taken specifically to inspire you, to guide you. spend too much time trying to see the form, but rather sense the presence. At least have the conviction of being in the presence of your infallible guide. As soon as you have that, 
knowing that this is infallible means unerring means through which you will achieve your goal feel a great sense of reverence in your mind prostrate Trust yourself, take refuge. that you are in the very presence of the actual means through which you will achieve it. And let your gratitude be expressed, make offerings. Seeing how you cannot trust your habits, turn again to your infallible guide and for guidance, for strength.
sense of strength, make a promise, examine your, compa- your capacity well to restrain, and accordingly make a promise to restrain. and to help offset the potential, the negative potential gain through these negative actions. Make a promise to do something, something positive, something to make up. sense of lightness, the sense of joy coming from these four powers and help further refine the mind within the state through rejoicing. Let the mind take great joy in goodness, yours and others. Measure. of mind, this refined state of mind when rejoicing, find that measure of confidence and again your determination let your mind see the conditions of beings embracing all beings with compassion, with love, request that the enlightened ones come into the lives of sentient beings, to show them how to truly end their pain, show them how to find true happiness. to remain in their lives for as long as it takes. strengthen your determination 
seeing the very embodiment of what you're aspiring to achieve in front of you. Now you aspire to become closer. You feel that bright presence now above your hand. Showering your whole being with nectar made of light. Strongly wish to be free of your obstacles. Strongly wish to gain the realizations you seek. Beg for blessings. momentum continue, your concern for the welfare of others in their conditions, your determination to achieve the realization that you seek, seeing the embodiment of your aspiration above your head. aspiration to be inseparable. And from the power of your aspiration, that form of light, that presence above your head, dissolves into a tiny see and feel the very object of your aspiration descend through the crown of your head in the form of a tiny point of light see and feel it reach your heart center there meeting your mind merging becoming inseparable
aware of the state in which you brought yourself into. To make yourself comfortable, please stretch your legs. few more meditations left with uh, eight verses of mind, uh, still meditating on the true nature of reality. Uh, today's medi- tonight meditation, uh, you're going to, I want you to uh, use what is called the king of, of uh, analysis meditation, but in, in a slightly different way than familiar with. The king of analysis um, uh, for meditating on emptiness or meditating on the true nature of reality is <coughs> meditating on interdependence. And then through that, that helps you get a clear idea, a clear uh, understanding of what it means for uh, that phenomena like uh, intrinsic existence, like interdependent existence, and that, that is used. But I want you to use interdependence. Uh, to arrive at uh, not simply uh, the image of of the lack of uh, the object that our ignorance is grasping at, but but more at the same time that you're looking at the f- that this lack of of an object, this lack of an appearance, but to act at the same time hold a somewhat of a positive. Uh, 
positive uh, uh, concept in your mind as to the meaning of the uh, uh, okay. uh, we are <coughs> we are at the point of the eight verses where you're supposed to be meditating on the eight extremes and you understand what the when the Madhyamika tells you calls you it basically Madhyamika is telling you that you're grasping to inherent existence okay so it tells you in the beginning it tells you that uh, uh, things arise from causes and conditions that's why things are empty of, in, of, of, of owning their own being of owning their own part of powering, you could say, their own their existence, uh, allowing themselves to continue to have to have the appearance of, of existing. That power comes from not themselves but from others. Okay. So you have this understanding: oh, things come from things arise. Okay. <coughs> and then, because things are the very nature that that makes things come into existence through dependence that naturally leads to their eventually coming out of existence their ceasing to exist okay. so now you're having a somewhat of a of a maybe a bit more a little bit, a little bit sophisticated unceasing and unfortunately the mind's habit of grasping grasp at those concepts of arising and ceasing and now that's when the mind Yamika it's like uh, the, the, the Buddha looking at you and then looking at your mind and tells you there is a there is uh, what was it there's a glass of water and tells you the glass of water comes from this comes from that comes from that and the previous idea you had about the glass of water is gone and then you're now grasping onto what the Buddha is explaining to you about where the glass of water is coming from and then the Buddha tells you there is no glass of water anymore okay so Madhyamika, the Madhyamikans are helping you to the, the grasping, that habit of grasping onto things by telling you that how they arise from conditions, causes and conditions, how they cease to exist because they arise from causes and conditions. And the mind's habit now starts to grasp at arising, starts to grasp at ceasing. And the Madhyamika tells you, oh, you believe that things arise? You're being an extremist. That things cease to exist? There you go, being an extremist again. And you say, wait a minute, you just told me that things arise, and because of that, that's why. But now you tell me I'm an extremist by believing, believing what, you, what you told me to believe in. Okay. Now, there are a couple of things, there are a couple of uh, ways of understanding this. It's, so, to believe that something actually is an extreme, and to believe that there is a process that you can actually point to that you call that you can say oh that's arising coming into birth that's also an extreme and then to believe that there is something that stops existing is an extreme some process that can be called that you can point to and say ah there it is that's ceasing that's also an extreme so it's almost as if you forgot what the Madhyamikans were telling you in the very first place. 
you thought you were you thought you were grasping the idea, but all you were doing, all all that was happening was the habit of grasping was was just finding food to grasp on, finding something to grasp onto, finding thing to allow it to continue to exist. That's why they said that experientially, when you're meditating, you should somehow do some sort of trick, some sort of uh, uh, exercise where you bring an end to all appearance. That way, you're not giving the habit of grasping anything to continue, anything to grasp onto. It doesn't mean that the ultimate nature of thing is no appearance. It doesn't mean that the ultimate nature of thing is no non-appearance. Okay? It's just that the habit has to stop. And this is a way of stopping that nothing to grab onto. Absolutely nothing to grab onto. So when you start to understand, oh, things don't exist inherently because they come into being due to conditions, just now this very thing, a thing coming into existence, oh, coming into existence, the mind grasps onto those things. Oh, that's why things exist. Things. Okay. So what, you're, what is actually happening, the same habit that was before you, before you would say things come into existence because of things come into existence because of causes and conditions, before you knew that, you could say uh, the habit of grasping to substantiality, continue substantiality to the very process of arising. And somehow it believes that now the thing has come to exist, now it has substantiality. So, for as far as the mind of grasping is concerned, existence in substance, subs, substance, mm. existence in, ex, it's coming back. <laughs> substantiality. Existence and substantiality are synonymous. For something to exist, it must exist substantially. If something has substance, that means it exists. So it starts to uh, ascribe substantiality to arising. And the thing that didn't have any substance before, now the causes and kind of arising, now it uh, ascribes substantiality to that thing. Okay? So one way of looking at it is since there was, since there is no th- no thing that exists substantially in the uh, 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 substantially there can there is no thing that now comes to exist substantially after all causes and conditions come together because what are these causes and conditions are they substances remember there are no thing there is not a thing that has that exists substantially right if from the very beginning you start with no substantiality, it's eventually with substantiality. So there is no thing that comes into existence. And there is not a thing that you can, there's not a phenomenon that you can point to, isolate, and say, ah, there is the phenomenon called arising. Because all these things is always about what was said in the beginning causes and conditions coming together. Is that confusing? I hope it is. <laughs> it's confusing the heck out of me. <laughs> okay. 
if you begin with uh, uh, a foundation and every element in that foundation is of a particular nature when you combine those things together you're going to get just those natures combined together you're not going to get something else so from the very beginning the very elements that make something up are non-substantial how is it that bringing together a bunch of non-substantials together substantial so if there was no thing no thing meaning not one thing that you can isolate that, has a, that is a substantially existing thing that's from the very beginning if there is no such thing how can you say okay bring all those things which are not things together and then you get a thing can you if there is no thing to come into existence how can you point to something that say oh there's existence or there's coming into existence if, if there was no thing in the first place that came into existence what thing ceased to exist if there's no thing that can come that can come to ceasing to exist so what thing they say oh there is ceasing there is cessation when you th- remember this is absolute this is an absolute uh, analysis you're looking for for the absolute an absolutely an absolute thing an absolute arising an absolute cessation that's what you're looking for a cessation that does not depend on other things that does not depend on, o- on other things actually this is not the meditation you're going to be doing <laughs> but this is a foundation that you need the meditation that you're going to do is going to be uh, I think it's going to be uh, uh, has a lot going to be much, much more fun than just than that okay so if nothing owns its existence okay no matter how uh, at what level of existence that you're referring to from the macrocosm to the microcosm no matter how how uh, low you go in, into the uh, subatomic L level, no matter how high you go into the you know, superstar, no matter where you go, you cannot point to, to anything that owns its existence. Right? And go to the very elemental level even. Okay? At the very elemental level, let's say it's quarks, what is it? Quarks and super quarks and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. Not even those own their existence. Their existence is due to something else. And what is that something else? You cannot find something else. It's not like. Never mind. <laughs> so at the very elemental level, it appears, appears because the very power of appearing is due to the is a, is a, uh, a, a derived from other whatever exists own, own, owes its existence to other so at that level you can say that there is a, a fundamental cooperation a very uh, complex level of cooperation going on where you cannot find one entity one phenomena 
the one the one isolated matter at what that owns its, its its own existence, and yet there's the appearance of it existing. So that level of cooperation that seems to be universal, that seems to be the very nature of existing, existence, is what the perfection of wisdom points to as universal love. So you could say Uh, it's going to sound stupid, it's going to sound weird, okay? But bear with me. A bunch of entities, which are not entities, can give the appearance of another, of an, of another entity by relinquishing their, their identity. Okay? That's the only way something can have the appearance of existing. How can you have the appearance of the existence of a forest? The trees have to stop being individual trees. How can you have the appearance of a body? The cells have to give the, stop giving the appearance of just being individual cells. How can you have something you call a mind? All the different functions have to stop giving the appearance of just having their individual function. Otherwise, there will be complete scatteredness. Imagine extreme absolute scatteredness. Then there cannot be an entity. <laughs> there cannot be an existence. But because of complete lack of mental selflessness, there can be the illusion of selves. So wherever there is a self, whether it is a personal self, whether there is an objective self, whether it is a self of an of a of a of an inanimate object, that self, that identity, is due to the sacrifice of those elements relinquishing their identity. It's no longer just wood anymore. It's no longer just tree anymore. It's no longer leg. It's no longer surface. Now it's just it's all those things relinquishing their identity so that table can come into existence. Otherwise, can you imagine language, what language would be like? Trying to point to anything? You wouldn't be able to. It would take you a million years just to, you know, just to point to the cell. And now this thing now that appears in front of you, there are innumerable, immeasurable numbers of cells making it up. Can you imagine pointing to one thing? if none of those things that make that thing up refuse identity, if they were, by their nature, completely selfish, if they were, by their very nature, incapable of sharing, if they were, by their very nature, incapable of cooperation, <coughs> if they were, by their very nature, about their own happiness, So, going, going now the opposite <coughs> direction, instead of saying negative, because the very fundamental nature of, of things is to want others to be happy. 
that's what's left. because it's the it's the very the fundamental nature of things to co- they are cooper cooperatable <laughs> they can because they can uh, I have to make that word up even if it doesn't exist <laughs> because they are cooperatable okay you understand what I mean right they're because the very nature is cooperative that's what allows for table to be that's what allows for you to be and when you understand that you are just a, f- uh, a phenomena of cooperation then that being onto some entity some unity some isolate fades away you see yourself as a result and yet it's not a result in the sense of that sense of self that is a result is completely powerless to dictate and this is where I'm for uh, the project I also have uh, say that this is where it's it's the only way to describe it is pure mystery. There is no self that you can point to, and yet there are these things that are behaving like selves, and you cannot deny it. Okay. When you grab on, when when the a tendency to grab onto grab onto substantiality, grab onto self, it limits the self. It makes the self into a static static uh, piece of rock that cannot transform, that cannot change. So whatever you are at, if that's what you are really, if you're not enlightened, forget about the path, that you can't change because you're self. But fortunately, there is no such thing. And because there is no such thing, that self can be one day a self that you call enlightened self. And because again, the very fundamental of nature of things, of, of allowing things to be, because ignorantly speaking, you, this is the self that you're grabbing onto, you have the freedom to experience samsara. And nothing can stop you from experiencing it. Nothing can stop you from being a samsaric being. Because of the very fundamental nature of love. <laughs> I love you so much. I'm not, not me, but you know, the universe. <laughs> the universe loves you so much that if you want to, if you want to suffer, okay, go ahead, go suffer. If you think that will make you happy, uh, so here's the meditation. <laughs> You're going to deconstruct reality, that is, remove all appearances, through understanding how there is not a thing that is not due to cooperation, and equate that cooperation to love, okay, and then and then try to have your mind just rest in that infinite fundamental. Ocean? No. And fundamental 
space <laughs> of pure love and see how that feels when you just stay there. <laughs> okay. That's another uh, meditation on wisdom. I know I've a lot of complaints about meditation on wisdom, always you end up with nothing and what's the <laughs> <laughs> and you may have some hesitations of doing the meditation because you don't want to just uh, empty your mind, <laughs> empty your, yourself of appearances. Okay, here's something. Okay. So you're still going to have the appearance to the mind, no appearance, but you're going to you're going to understand how that is the very lack of self selfishness of things, the very fundamental selfless self uh, lack of selfishness of things that allows for things to be. Does that make sense? Okay, all right, hurry up. You have uh, three seconds. <laughs> So first, the determination, the clear understanding of what you're going to do. Recall that tranquil state you experienced earlier. five cycles of breath through analysis, start the deconstruction. And as you're doing this deconstruction, it's not just removing appearance, but removing the grasping onto it through its own power. Seeing how anything that appears is a, co is a process of cooperation. Or, for those who are more of a mystically inclined, see the guru, the lama, the teacher in front of you, of this 
process of deconstruction comes to the crown of your head, blesses you, enters your heart, and starts the deconstruction until no appearances remain. And as the deconstruction or this occurring, ascribe to it lack of something that exists without cooperation, without a love, love.
attention back to your breath. fundamental, most profound, whatever degree, whatever level of understanding, whatever measure of time you spent trying to understand this, the merit that you gain is immeasurable. A dedicated merit to the accomplishment of your ultimate goal. become aware of the body once more. So I don't know how much longer we're going to stay with these eight verses, especially this last verse. We've stuck with it for, I don't know, so <laughs> anyone has ever uh, stuck with this, something like this. But uh, I've caught a case of uh, seriousness again, and uh, I'm coming around to the... Uh, <coughs> Conviction. Mm. A sense. <sighs> to really get something out of this thing called the path, you have to start prioritizing and collecting a bunch of. Uh, uh, <laughs> trinkets doesn't help. It's not the path. The path is not collecting Dharma trinkets. Okay. One of these days when life hits you in the wrong way, you're going to see, okay, now I have to, uh, I have to, the house, the house is burning, what can I take out? What is the most important that I can take out? And I only can take one thing out. You can't take everything with you. You don't need all those Dharma gadgets on the path. You end up at the end with a lot of gadgets, them in the beginning. Don't be afraid to stick with anything that seems to be something for, I don't know, Dharma for dummies or something, Dharma for idiots, okay? Don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't let uh, ego, pride, you know, uh, uh, take over your Dharma life. Okay. If watching the breath is all you can do, that's the most powerful Dharma you can do. It must much better than when you're able to do just that 
than to pretend to be doing visualization of uh, deities where you see yourself as a million deities going to a million universes, wrestling a million beings. If you really want to emanate as a million deities, wrestling, going to a million universes, stick with the breath first. <laughs> okay. Let it be simple. Let it be something that you can measure. Don't let it. Don't let it. Re don't let it remain. You know. Uh, always theory. Always abstract. If this meditation that you're doing, that we're doing right now, even you know the advertisement about it was the most fundamental, it's the most precious. It's if it's not grabbing you, if, it's, if you cannot find a way of making it practical, dump it. Okay? It has to be relevant to your life. It has to be relevant to what you're going through. It has to solve your problems that you're going through. Okay? So, We're going back to the basics. <laughs> okay. <coughs> so after this uh, voyage into the Majamika uh, Prasangika the world of abstract, we're gonna go back to what what we can deal with. Of course, if if for, if for those of you at that level, that's what you're dealing with, then beautiful for you. Okay. It has to be something that you can feel, that you can own, that you can sense. Okay? The path is not about, it's not about philosophizing. So, I'm going to try my best not to give you what I think a lot of Dhamma practitioners end up with house full of gadgets and we have no idea how to use any of them and we keep collecting more because we think that that's what the path is supposed to be about oh they, they, did you know that uh, this uh, Lama who is supposed to be the emanation of the Buddha from the fifth universe is going to give the highest teaching what the highest teaching in the universe how is it the highest teaching for you when you can't do nothing, cannot do it, cannot use it? You just become a gadget that you collect. Put it in your Dhamma shelf case, Dhamma sh uh, uh, shelf. So you can show others, oh, I got that from uh, the fifth Buddha from the fifth universe. Okay. What do you do with it? Well, sir, fit that space nicely. <laughs> <you know? laughs> okay. Remember, a practice is powerful not because of the practice but because of the practitioner. When you master just the basics, there are incredible things you can do with that alone. Where someone who has 10 million initiations cannot even begin to understand the depth of your simple practice. 
I don't know why I have to say that, but <laughs> sorry, keep you. But felt they had to say it. <laughs> right, uh, and also, uh, won't be able to to do the next door thing tonight. So next week, because that no. they have to prepare stuff for tomorrow. No, next week. No, next week because next week is uh, six. Okay. Okay. Next time we meet. <laughs> Okay, two weeks. <coughs> Next two weeks, so we'll go. We continue with with the. Okay, all right. Thank you very much, and see you. Thank you.